I first I started this about 18 months ago and I remember it when I interviewed Tabitha from Cod Close and, and I saw you commented on the interview and I was I had to double check, say, well, who's this sounds familiar and stuff. <laughs> and so it is so I've been trying to grab get you on the show for almost a year and a half. Oh, you've, been, you've been so consistent. <laughs> I was like, you know, let me just let me talk to this man because he's really been patient and <laughs> so, you know, I appreciate your patience. Sometimes you gotta just you can't just rush and do things right away. Yeah, no, no, it's totally understandable. And I, and I think over the year, over the time, I've actually had, you know, a different appreciation. And as I said, I checked out the interview you did with, I don't know who the guy is, but you were talking about the mental health stuff. So when I'm not doing this, I'm a therapist. So I, and I, my club patients mm-hmm. are under 19. So I work with the young kids. And, and so mental health was the reason I started this was a way of talking, just help people hearing inspirational stories. Really? Uh, yeah, this is why I started this, but, you know, to, so we can hear from people that are famous, hear their stories and their journeys and get inspiration. And so, but it has grown to where we're focusing on, on, on R&B artists, but it's the yeah. same journey. Um, every, you know, everyone has had the ups and downs. Yeah, I mean, is it that we're probably the ones that meet, that need the most therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know. Right. It's, it's, it's something, it's like a correlation between mental health and, and, and creative people. I don't know what it is, but we definitely can use some therapy for sure. Yeah, no, but I think if we start, I guess it's, you know, I always say we have an international audience and, and it's always good to always go to where you, you're born and raised because no, everyone might know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know that's that's a whole other topic, honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but where were you? Where were you born and and, and raised? Are we are we live? Are we filming? Oh, yeah, we can start now. We're going to start now. Yeah, we can we can oh, start. Okay. Uh, well, I was I was born and raised in New York, New York. I'm well. I was born in Harlem. Wow, Harlem, New York. But you know, I went from Harlem Hospital to the Bronx. <laughs> My goodness. So I grew up in the Bronx. Yeah. So, so many of the artists, R&B artists that we, we talk to, they, they all seem to be more on the South and, and stuff, but not many, apart from the R- uh, hip-hop stars, are from New York. But what was it like growing up in New York back, back in the day? New York was fun. You know, I, when people ask me that, I always look at New York as it, it has always been, and I can say that now that I'm older, but it's always been like a boot camp. It, New York actually will make you tough. And I tell my nieces and nephews today who wasn't born there, I say, y'all need a little bit of New York. Y'all should have come to New York. Because these kids nowadays, they can't do nothing. They lazy, you know. But we had, we had a good time. We walked to the bus. We walked once, sometime two, two miles to catch the train, you know. But it was all wow. about fun. And think about money, you know, because half of us didn't really have anything to compare it to. We didn't have any money, you know. We we didn't have like real role models growing up all the time, you know. So it was just we were just happy being kids. Wow. And, and then when it comes to, I mean, growing up in in those times, because I remember speaking to Tam, interviewing Tammy Lucas, and she was talking to me about the music scene. <laughs> Tammy Lucas. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, my. 
Miss Tammy Lucas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know she did um, um, use your heart with, with the nephews with you with you guys, but she, yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah she, she, but I remember she, when we when I spoke interviewed her, she, she talked about how lovely it was growing up in New York. The music, you know, everyone was out, and, and it was just the, the sort of the vibe and stuff. But even Harlem was the Apollo. Was it still famous back then when you were growing up in Harlem? Was, did you realize how popular it was? Oh, absolutely. Um, Showtime at the Apollo. Well, it wasn't Showtime at the Apollo at the time. That's when it um, transitioned to television. But it was um, Amateur Night at the Apollo. And that was like the big thing for anybody who was inspired to, to be a singer or a musician of some sort. Um, yes, absolutely. I, actually, my mom used to take me there every Wednesday, and I believe the cheapest ticket was $12, and, and the higher ticket price was $25. So for some reason, we always found a way to get that $12, and my mom would take me there every week, and she would say, are you ready? And I was like, no, because that, that crowd is so brutal. Wow. If you've never been to Amateur Night at the Apollo, like, if you're whack, they will tell you. And that's just New York, period. Wow. If you're garbage, they don't care. Eight to 80 blind crippled crazy. <laughs> if you're whack, they're going to throw you off stage. So with, with the Sandman. Yeah, the Sandman. After about maybe 10 visits to the Apollo Theater, my mom asked me, she said, are you ready to, you know, for amateur night? I said, no, I don't ever think I'm going to be ready. Oh, to actually perform or to just... Yeah, to do amateur night at the apartment. Oh. I was scared because of that audience was brutal. And my mom said to me, are you ready? And I said, no, mom, I'm not ready. And I said, I don't ever think I'm going to be ready. When I come on this stage, I'm going to be a guest. So I spoke into my own life. Wow. <laughs> and it happened. Yeah, how old were you then? Around what that went that that's I, I was about 12. 11, 12. Did, did you already have the, the the passion to sing or what, what was it? What, what? That passion, I had that passion um since I was a little kid. And I would tell uh, my grandbaby today, I'm like, you know, when I was young, I, I kind of felt connected to entertainment of all kind. Like I used to love watching the Miss America contest, you know, just to see the talent portion of the show. Okay. And, you know, while kids my age were buying ice cream, whenever I got a hold of some money, I was buying records, 45s. Wow. <laughs> who, were, who were you into? Who were, who, which, which artists? Were you um, inspired by Ben back then? Oh, my God. Um, well, I grew up listening to blues. My mom um, played a lot of blues. Um, Sam Cooke, Otis Redding, um, uh, Bobby Womack played in my house, oh. Teddy Bass. But the person who really inspired me when I was little, little, have to be Stacey Lattisaw. I don't know her. Oh, oh my God. Yes, Stacey Lattisaw. Um, the Dream Girls, the original Dream Girls soundtrack, Jennifer Holiday was a big influence. Stephanie Mills, of course. Wow. And there was a young lady um, that used to do this off-Broadway play called Mama I Want to Sing. And her name was Desiree Coleman. 
but now she's Kadish Comel. Her name is like really <laughs> weird. But her, I knew her as Desiree Coleman Jackson. She was married to um, Mark Jackson, a basketball player who's now a coach. And she was in this play called Mama I Wanna Sing. And I believe she was about 16. And I was probably 10 or nine. And I used to look at her like she was so beautiful back then with this huge voice. Wow. And I was, oh my God, like she had like this beautiful falsetto voice that just kind of carried, like she would go into her falsetto voice and then to her big voice. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> I was so like amazed at that. But um, definitely a, a lot of people inspired me. And my brother, my brother was like a singer singer. Like he actually did a lot of quartet. Oh. And I, he inspired me a lot too, and he never even knew it. Wow! I mean, but but back back then, you you have these artists who, because I, I grew up loving Michael Jackson, and and the, but I never oh. thought I'd ever sing. But I'm wondering, <laughs> being inspired by them and and already speaking into your life about being a, a guest on the Apollo, where was the opportunity to actually sing and learn how learn the craft back in those early days? Well, well, in school. In school okay. and at home, you know, we had a lot of um, like talent programs. We had, you know, the Glee Club. We had a band class. We had talent shows in our school. And I've noticed they don't have a lot of that stuff, a lot of creative stuff going on now. Um, but that really, really helped me a whole lot, you know, as far as being on stage and and not being afraid of the stage because the stage can be a very scary place to be. Yeah. You know, everybody think it's easy. And even when you're a seasoned artist, it's still, it's scary. But yeah. it, in the strangest way, it's so scary, but it's your comfort zone. Wow. Those people in the audience, they scare you a little bit, but those are the same people that give you so much comfort. Wow. Yeah, so. but I wonder how much that is inspired by seeing the Apollo and seeing the crowd and seeing how the artists, you know, you know, had to be at the best and and probably you know almost thinking that that could happen at any time. Well, back then, because that audience was so cruel, <laughs> I know. Older I got, I know. I'm like, you know, they would really love the Sopranos. Like, you could be like, the worst singer, but if you <laughs> up in the strap. Yeah. or if you hit like a soprano note they like Woo! Woo! you know I'm like it's not me they they toned them they don't know what they talk about <laughs> they just was loving the bigger voices so okay they, you know, it's okay it's okay <laughs> that really taught me that everybody is just not gonna like you yeah so that prepared me for the world. Mm. And I'm wondering, because when, you, when you, you're growing up, I mean, did being a recording artist ever seem achievable? Because, you know, it's not like, you know, in the 90s we had young groups like, you know, The Boys or High Five. Mm -hmm. So we, you, you could think, oh, if they can make it, we can make it. But back when you were coming up, you know, you know, Motown seemed quite a distance. I mean, the Jacksons, I mean, I don't know. 
who you would have thought how the dream of being an artist would have ever seen realistic back in those days? What were you, who, who did you look at and think, if they could do it, I could do it? Um, it was Shanice Wilson. And back then, Shanice Wilson didn't even have a deal. She was just doing star search. Like she was trying to do it just like we were. But she was definitely my inspiration as far as seeing somebody visually yeah. and saying, wow, man, if, if, if she could do that, I know I could do this. You know, so I followed her career and she was probably, her and Stacey Lattisol was probably the two of the youngest talented singers who had record deals so young yeah you know so if I had to choose anybody it would have been Shanice Wilson wow <laughs> yeah okay I mean before she even came about then did you did you have an idea of what you wanted to do then did you think about becoming because these are solo artists you spoke about were you thinking about doing it till going alone and stuff, or what was that journey? But it didn't matter how it happened. I, you know, I never really felt like it did. It wasn't going to happen. In the yeah. strangest way, I never really felt like it wasn't going to happen. Um, oh, my God. This <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's why I said it. <laughs> I put my phone on do not disturb. <laughs> my fine. phone has not rang all day. <laughs> now, today it wants to. So how do I do this if it's on do not disturb? <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> so, but you were saying that, uh, that you never, th yeah, you always thought, you always knew. I always felt like it was going to happen one way or the other like um i used to love groups like the jones girls oh yeah, yeah. Uh, motions of course like the clark sisters but i was so young listening to the clark sisters i didn't really understand that kind of singing because mm -hmm. I, I i went to church but i wasn't like the church girl who who parents made you go to church five days a week you know i just <laughs> Because, you know, I wanted to do something that day on a Sunday with my aunt. Yeah. And I begged, let me go to church with her. So, wow. so I ended up there. But it had to be like those, like the Jones girls, the emotions. And then it was a group called the Jets. It was a group called, um, oh, my God. I love the OJs. Okay. I yeah. love a lot of those Krona, the Temptations, of course. I mean, how can you even inspire to do this thing without loving those those older bands, you know? But then watching those older bands, did you did you initially think I want to form a group, or did you not think being a solo artist on stage by yourself? Well, I always wanted to do a group. Oh, wow. I up because my mom had me all over the place like I was singing school and in middle school and it just seemed to be more fun like you know in middle school we had like these talent shows or whatever and then they, they would always pair like three people together okay. you know or people over here one person over there and it was just so much fun 
and you know we're doing rehearsals and stuff like that so yeah I, I would say that you know Wow, that's always strange because I, I always would assume everyone would want to be their own star, their own person, and 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 unless you had good, you grew up with friends who could sing and you kind of came together. I, I, I wouldn't have thought that would have been a, not a priority, but that would have been a sense of this is how I wanted to go. Well, that's of course that's how it happened, but I, I don't. I think it's it's a it's all a matter of what you want out of it. I never really wanted to be a star. Okay. I didn't look at it for that reason. I My motivation was I didn't want to be poor anymore. <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to do something for my mom. Like I wanted to change my situation. And plus wow. I was young, you know, I, I was a teen parent. So that was my, my fire to wow. want to do something. And that would make people forget about the fact that I was even a teen parent, you know, because where I'm from, you know, they looked at me crazy and I felt bad. Like I felt bad. I felt like a disappointment to my mom and my family and to myself. So I was, I just wanted to do something that made everybody happy and proud. Wow. Yeah. Cause I, 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 cause I went to your site and I saw, and I know that you, you, you've got a, You've been promoting teen pregnancy. Um, I, I didn't realize that you you said you had two children by seventeen. Um, so even before you started the group, and 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 I do wonder how supportive your mum might have been in in not being disappointed, but saying, "Okay, I'm going to support, encourage you as you're doing uh, pursuing your music career." How was that for you? It was amazing. My mom was everything. Like she always supported. Now, when before SWV, I I used to sing with this group called the Diva Girls. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where they are, but I was actually the lead singer of the Diva Girls, right? But my mom and we did like this um, this Snapple jingle I don't know what happened to it I don't know I just don't know but that was like the first studio experience I, I ever had and um my mom has always been there she's always been my champion she's always said you're gonna do amazing like I was just always amazing to my mom she just always just supported me you know she she wanted her baby girl to she saw the vision. She saw the dream. She she saw what I wanted to do. I mean, a lot of people with, with you know, I've even spoken to artists who whose parents wanted to create have a, a career, but when they had the kid, they had them. They put it on the back burner. You were the opposite. I mean, you had two young children at seventeen, but still were pursuing a career. I, I, what was the drive? And because that's that's a story in itself. But how did you not see? having children at a young age by yourself as a hindrance in order to pursue a career that is a challenge to get in on the burst of days? Well, I, I'm going to just put this out here. Like, I am not by any way promoting teen pregnancy um, because every story is not always the same. Mm. Did I have challenges? Absolutely. I will never sit here and say, oh, my God, you know, I have my children, you know, and and. I have now I have this fabulous career. It was nothing like that. 
I spent a lot of days crying, wanting to be with my kids and I, I couldn't, I had obligations, but I knew that those obligations would give us a better life. Mm -hmm. So I had to choose, when you talk about sacrifice, this industry is a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It's a sacrifice, like you lose one thing to gain something else, but you need both. So you have to figure out how to balance. I was a Western Union mom. I would talk to my kids on the phone all the time. I would send letters, I would send cards. You know, um, I would do last minute pop-up visits for one day or a few hours just to see my kids, you know? But wow. I'm so thankful, like I had the crazy support system. Mm -hmm. Like my mom and my sisters held me down because had it not been for them, I probably wouldn't have been able to do what I'm doing. Yeah, did, did, was there any time before you formed SW that you that you ever thought maybe maybe not maybe I just get a job at a grocery store and raise my kids or was there any of okay. I felt that once I felt like it was happening for real and it just happened so fast I was like oh no I, I went on running it wasn't so I got into the situation I felt like that <laughs> okay okay but because now I had something to compare it to. Like, you know, okay, so I'm living in the Bronx. I'm growing up. I got two kids at 17 years old. And I got this career. I'm able to go on the road, make a few dollars, take care of my kids, pay some bills. But it's like, I didn't really understand business and how it works and how lonely the road is. Like, the road is a lonely place. Mm -hmm. It's very lonely. And I spent a lot of my years lonely and crying you know because I felt like I there was a point where I felt like I didn't make the right decision mm -hmm. um, wow. but then I have to you know it's emotional you know when you're used to I'm, I'm very close to my family like we've always been close so when you get on the road and it's like oh my god you do a show and you go in your hotel room you're, you're by yourself all the time yeah. You know. yeah. So I think one of the things that we as fans have learned over the past year and a half is that you guys didn't always live the glamorous life. You didn't. You weren't making make millions of dollars, even though the videos look rich. And I think it's been a real eye opener for us to, to say, "Wow, it's it wasn't all that great." I mean, because the videos and the music always gives us an image of happiness and like, "Wow, look at these guys." we shocked when we saw TLC and like, well, what's going on? How could they be broke? But I think we're hearing more and more of this. But before we get there, I guess everyone would say, okay, you're part of the, is it the Diva Girls, you said? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And then that, that sort of didn't work. And then how did Taj and Coco sort of pop in into your life? <sighs> well, uh, the, the short version... Um... I, it was just as simple as me calling uh, Cheryl Coco to and ask her, "Yo, you want to join? You want to do a group?" Okay, but you know? did you know her for something before? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I, okay. I've known her for a long time, so um, it was just that simple. You want to start a group, and she didn't think I was serious about it, and she's like, "Ah, you call me back when you're serious." And I, I was serious. So um, I don't know if it's because I had the kids. She didn't think I was serious. Okay. But, 
But um, actually, I only had one kid when I when I asked her this. I, you know what? The group was started. We started singing together before I had the kids. Wow. Yeah. So they they've seen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't give you everything because you have to save something for the biopic. Yeah, you know, definitely, definitely, definitely. No, understandable. But but so you grew up close to Cheryl or Coco and what about Taj? Was she also in a, close by? Yeah, she was actually um she was uh Cheryl's friend. Okay. And a friend of Cheryl's, her name was Amy, and um, they actually found Taj from Brooklyn, yeah. Okay. Was it the intention just to have three people? Did you not want four like in Vogue? Or did you, was... There's a whole story. We were so many different names. We were um, the Four Shades of Rhythm. We were, and that was four of us. Okay, it was four. And we went from four, like, three probably two or three sets of four different groups with different names and um once we was like really really serious and working with a real producer in a real studio we named ourselves TLC uh-huh. that didn't turn out right <laughs> I mean we got to cease and desist so fast enough. <laughs> you will not be that name so um, you know, so, and if anybody don't know, that like, those are our initials, whether you say like those were really our initials. So, um, yeah, so we kind of landed with Sisters With Voices, SWV. Uh, who, uh, whose idea was it? Our manager at the time, Maureen Singleton. What did you think of the name? Terrible. <laughs> that name sounded so dumb. It sounds <laughs> to me today. Sister Voices. Like it sounds like it sounds how it sounded to us back then. Like like a choir or <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Organization or something like <laughs> so I SWV definitely have more swag to it. <laughs> whose idea was it to switch it to SWV? I think it was ours. It's just something that kind of happened because BBD was out. It's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, things just happen like so spontaneously, but yeah. One of the things that we've all learned um, is about talented artists get signed um, a lawyer shows up with a contract and it's like, oh, this was good. You sign off and then you just go ahead and think. And then, there are, you know, and of course, we're learning that um, we're learning that, that how you can sign off and weigh everything without recognizing until later on. How was it for you guys? Were you just, you know, so excited when you, you got the opportunity with RCA that that you didn't even, you know, did your lawyer was, did you have a good lawyer to support you and explain the ins and outs? <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, I wouldn't say that excited. Yeah, we were excited and we were just young. We didn't know the questions to ask. We had adult people working with us. So when you're young, you just know 
to respect the adults. You know, they know a little more and they're going to take care of you. But it doesn't happen when in the music business. You know, it's almost like a lot of people want you to be dumb. They want you to be stupid. They don't want you to be because as soon as you get smart, you become a problem. That's what I mean, Heron, yeah. Become difficult. You ask one question, it's like, oh, she's on my shit now, you know, let me get rid of her. And then all crazy rumors start and nobody like you anymore. But as long as you shut up and you're quiet and and you're dumb, oh, yeah, they love it. (laughs) But um, we just didn't have the knowledge. We didn't have the people to kind of usher us into the situation and teach us. We didn't have teachers. We had a lot of people that just kind of ate off of us. Wow. And we learned by trial and error. So is that when, because you said being on the road was lonely, but at that point when you're on the road and having to do promotional tours, the was it the hardest part before, you know, the album is out? Is that is that the hardest part? Or even after the album is out and everyone knows you? Oh, my gosh. It's so funny that you asked me that because I think of how these artists are today and how disrespectful they are to artists like us, like the older seasoned artists, and they be so quick to say old school. And that's fine. But I, I, I look at that now as a badge of honor because it's great. That means that I've been here before. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a certain level of respect for that. But they have, they're not even built to do the legwork that we've done. This was before social media. We had to sit down at a chair. We had what they would call a promo day Mm. where we probably get to eat twice. We sit down at a table and we around a whole bunch of media doing interviews, interviews, interviews. I mean, sometimes you do like 50 interviews in one day. Wow. And just sitting there, some of them are phoners, some of them are, are live, you know, but it's yeah. not like this. It's more of their present. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of these artists are not built to do that. Yeah. You know, so, absolutely. Like, it, it was a lot tougher back then. Did you question the choices you made? Or were you still like, this is my dream, Apollo, I'm ready for you, Sandman. What, what, what kept you saying i'm not gonna stop you mean at, at what point those early days because as i said that doesn't sound fun sitting down and I, and I know i've heard from uptown when they were telling me that back in the days you had promo tours radios you had to go do all this stuff and and said from bus and you haven't made any sold any records so of course that the, that the budget will be limited on on, on what they're going to spend for you well, see, we were, um, we had what you call per diem. They would give us like maybe $75 a day to eat and stuff. And we were kids. We was like, $75 a day? This is pretty cool. I'm only going to spend $10 on food. So <laughs> but I, I never, not at that time, because it, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing the interviews. It was tiring. You yeah. know, you got tired. I mean, anybody would get burnt out. But it was still a lot of fun. You know, the fact that people wanted to know anything about you is attractive. Like, mm. you know, it's appealing. So um, 
it was fun. I had a good time. And we had some amazing reps at RCA. Like we had some really good people that worked for the record company, you know, um, like Mary Moore, rest in peace. She was so amazing. She was our publicist. And, you know, we had some really pretty dope people that worked the record. And um, we actually was able to see them work the record. Like we had to literally go to the radio stations. Yeah, okay, back in those days. Really do the work, you know, and a lot of these artists are not built for that today. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot different. I didn't realize that right um, right here um, was your first single because um, by the time you guys came out, I, I just, I went to college in Alabama and then moved to the UK for about a couple of months before moving back to, to, to Wisconsin. And but I'm so into you was the one that sort of was on the radio, especially the remix. But when you guys were recording the, your first album, did you did you think about the, who was out and think, OK, because as I said, back then you had a lot of New Jack, you know, the good girls, um, um, the girls. Um, then you had In Vogue doing what, what they were doing. Um, and I'm trying to think who else might have been out when you guys, just before you guys came out as a group. There was a group called Ex-Girlfriend. Ex-Girlfriend, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a few of them. Um, a Brownstone was out. Not, you had... not as no. early as you guys. They came oh, out. Right. Right, right, right. But Ex-Girlfriend definitely yeah. was out because we have made this. <laughs> <laughs> And tell you this, this gotta, this gotta wait for the bio. Ah. <laughs> but then there was another girl group that was on Uptown called the Girls. Yeah, the Girls. Yeah, we know them. I'll be sure it was. Yeah. <laughs> My God, like we thought they were just super dope, you know. Wow. Do you know Tammy was actually supposed to be in? Um, uh, I think the Girls. Tammy Lucas. Yeah, <laughs> she, she, she was, she was supposed to be in it, uh, but I think she read the contract. <laughs> And she said that I'm not, not you're not gonna get me that way. So she stuck to being a writer. <laughs> well, good good job. <laughs> but so you know, and, and I've, I've spoken at length with, with Brian and he talked about you know how the the music and everything. But when you guys were recording um some of the songs, did you notice that oh okay, this sounds good, it sounds different than what was on the radio, and that we could actually you know make it make a dent or did you just what was it like well first of all um i think every song when you you already know what song you're going to call it when you hear it when brian's songs were brought to us it was just like magic one thing you cannot take from that brother is that <laughs> <laughs> Brian is talented and back then I think he was doing a lot of club stuff and um, house music because he loves house music like he's a connoisseur and to see how he can do a house track and and then transition into like this deep R&B stuff I was like wow you know because usually producers are just one way yeah. they can at this and that's it but 
I mean, when we heard Brian's stuff, it was just like a no-brainer. It, it was magic. I mean, you can pretty much see. Mm. <laughs> but know? how how much, and I, and I don't know, when you guys, before you got signed with RCA, did you guys went to perform? Was it always Cheryl singing lead and, and, and the rest of you um, doing the backgrounds? Or did you guys mix around and with different songs prior to being signed? Well, no, it, it wasn't like that. It was like that when we finally got the deal. Like, and even like demo-wise, we were all just kind of collaborate. But Jodeci was out. Okay, yeah, yeah. Jodeci was out. And it was just a lot of dope singers. Guy was hot. Yeah. And everybody was everybody was singing like with that churchy sound yeah so it just made sense it just made sense it didn't help us any but I mean, <laughs> it did, but i'm just saying like you know for people to walk around and think you just have no talent or whatever that's like a bad feeling but you know it worked it was it was how it was supposed to be at the time and that was that yeah i can't really i mean i can't answer it from a, pro a producer standpoint or the record label standpoint but i can tell you um from my perspective yeah as i said i've um i, I don't i've always had um reservations with intro and I love body and, and intro. Um, um, same thing with cut close. Even um, not guy because they did mix it around a little bit. Teddy and Aaron would, would share stuff. But I, my worry and fear was always if the lead singer, you know, loses the voice, or you know, like Tony in High Five, it makes everyone else vulnerable. And but then I and I do, but I do wonder though in those early days is that. If they just said, yep, we just want to have Cheryl sing and stuff, they're like, wow, we're just in the studio. Do you, in those the first album, I'm thinking, do you then question or you're just like, wow, we're just in recording studio and it doesn't even, you don't consider, think about it? I don't even think they was thinking that far ahead because record companies don't care. Mm -hmm. They don't care. They don't care how something makes you feel. They don't care about your emotions. They don't care about how people are going to look at you or how, you know, their decision is going to affect the brand as a whole. They don't care. They just about making a record and making it great and making money. That's yeah. what it was. No one gives a damn about you. Hmm. No. But how do, how was it for you? Because I think a lot of it is, you know, when we're reflecting is I, I have no idea what it would be like for yourself then because uh, we all know that you guys are all individual singers so you wouldn't just just be the mm -hmm. background singer but what was it like how did you manage how did you balance and not actually you sh think Cheryl was the, vil the, the villain you know, make her the villain how how did you manage that especially being young no I didn't think she was the villain why why you say that no no no, no, no. I'm not saying you know how it is when if 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 someone gets the spotlight and, and as I said I'm how it can be easy 
This is what I think. I think it, it, it determines how bad you want. You got to figure out when you're in a situation and you come in as a team, you have to figure out what is it that you want to get out of this? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it was never about spotlight. It was never about I want to be the famous one. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to do something that worked for the three of us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's not and it's not even about that with me now. Like I'm barely on social media. I barely know how to work an iPhone. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not about that for me. I'm not out there, you know, taking bikini pics and photos all over the place. I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's not what it's about for me today. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But um, you know, the sad part about it is that the audience they they gain a perception of who they think you are based on what we show them. And that's been a story, you know, so it's too late to change it now. Yeah. <laughs> no, but then because we if um because I, as I said, it's I used my favorite show used to be behind the music on VH1, and and a lot of times um, bands, especially rock bands, would break up because the lead the lead singer probably wrote all the songs and and or, or something like that or spotlight. But um, it's important to hear that you know back in those days, I guess you guys saw the bigger picture, and 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 knew that you know being one despite everything was probably the best way to succeed i will say this you cannot help when you're amazing okay i knew she was amazing that's why i called her so when you it's just when you get in this business Mm. people out of so these seeds of discord and try to make it seem like it's something that is really not you know what I mean? Yeah. I will put Miss Cheryl Elizabeth Gamble next to the best of them. Okay. It is almost 30 years later, and I still feel that way. Mm-hmm. What she presented, what she gave was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I still do things that's amazing. I just wanted an opportunity to be amazing Mm. you understand yeah but no one nurtured my amazing no one nurtured my gift you know what I mean yeah so you start to doubt yourself you start to something that you've been doing forever that you've always been confident doing you all, all of a sudden come into this space where no one even cares wow so you grow up and you realize that you can't always wait for people to tell you that you're amazing. You have to feel it. You have to believe it. You know, and today, nobody can tell me shit. Mm. I am fucking amazing. Mm. Period. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting what you said because I mentioned as a therapist and I work predominantly with under 19s and and a lot of the girls struggle with self-esteem and self-value um and even if their family say oh you're beautiful and amazing it's because they 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 compare themselves to others it's hard to believe that and that's where we struggle with depression self-harm and and things like that and and i do wonder when you are on the road you're away from your family who have been a bedrock for you 
how 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 hard was it for you as a recording artist in those very early days then not being able to showcase yourself and and and, um, and manage just your general well-being in those early 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 recording days well one thing about the stage is that even today I show up, <laughs> I am present. If I'm not there on that stage with my group, you will know that I'm not there. Mm. So I find comfort in that. You will definitely miss me on that stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think we rely too much on people for validation. Yeah. Um, back in the day, I didn't understand what it meant to create your own environment that sometimes you know, when you're a young girl going into this adult world, there's a lot of things they're not going to teach you. They're not going to tell you. They don't want you to know. They want you to be sad. They want you to be miserable. Mm. And sometimes people just kind of, they kind of become leeches to that. Like that, you, you ever been in a situation where people just, they wake up thinking about how they're going to disrupt your life or make you feel bad or make your low, your, your self-esteem low. We deal with that all the time today, you know, and I allow the enemy to penetrate my heart and my soul with negative stuff to the point that I started believing this stuff about myself. And it takes for you to grow up and to um, be in your own space and be delivered from people mm. because people will have you wanting to commit suicide. They will, they, they will have you wanting to take yourself out. And I was all of those places at one time wow. because of people. Today, totally different. When I made the decision that I was going to live my life and I was going to choose life over death, that's what the hell I meant. I was going to stand. I was going to battle anybody that I had to battle. And I wasn't going to be the quiet, timid girl anymore. The stupid girl. I'm not going to, I'm not her. I'm not her anymore. You know? So sometimes you have to create your own peace. You know, and sometimes creating that peace means that you have to, you have to pull yourself away from, from certain people. And sometimes you got to pull yourself away from this industry. This industry is, is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. The fans, people who support you, those people in those seats, they make your heart happy. Mm -hmm. They don't know nothing that's going on behind the scenes. They have no idea how before you got on that stage, you was in tears, crying. They don't know. But when you go out there and you, you see them wanting to shake your hand and just, you know, slow dancing to songs and just doing all of this stuff and showing you how dope you are, it makes it all possible. It makes it easier. Yeah. No, you, you, you are right. And, and we're learning. You know, we're learning. We never, you know, we see guys singing, smiling. All the pitches in Black Beat and Right On, you guys all smiling and, and telling us all the good <laughs> stuff. So how, on Jet Magazine, so how are we supposed to see anything outside? Because if, if we saw the sad side, 
it would won't be a successful commodity for the record labels. Mm-hmm. The well, don't don't get me wrong. Like you know, every everybody's story is not the same. You know what I mean? And I think I, what we do is no different than what people do when they go to their job every day. Sometimes you just don't want to show up for work. Sometimes you get tired. It's just in our business, we're dealing with so many more people. Yeah. We're taking so many other hands. Like we have to, we're, we're contractually obligated to show up for work. And sometimes, you know, it could be a death in a family two days before. Like, you know, you, you still have to show up. You know? Yeah. But but it's not just that. I remember talking to Cassandra Lucas from Chain of Faces, and and it was very much of a we compared recording artists to say an NBA player or NFL player. You both have talent, but the NFL player or NBA player is paid a big contract and protected because they know how valuable an asset they are. Whilst the recording artists, they're taking every penny they can from you, and instead of trying to enhance and, and protect the asset, they're almost stripping it out just in case it loses value so quickly. And, and it was hard for us, for me, as a fan from the outside to understand why labels didn't have the same type of approach to say, these are, perf- perf- art, these are valuable assets that we're working with. We need to make sure that they're paid well and looked after, you know, long-term health insurance and all, all of that. Um, it's hard for us as fans. That's not their job. That's not, that's not their job. When you sign a contract, you're self-employed now. It's not their job to make sure that you have health insurance. It's not their job to make sure you understand the contract that you're signing. It's not their job that um, they don't, it's not their job to make sure that you show up for work. Like these are things that come along with everything that you're doing like this is the life that you chose and a lot of stuff is trial and error you don't know you do wrong unless you do right you don't know you're doing right unless you do wrong hmm. you don't know how to do right unless you do wrong because people won't remind you of all the wrong shit you've done <laughs> wow mind you but um it's definitely not an industry that protects you you know, and that's why you see a lot of clicks. You see a lot of people latching on to other people, you know, to certain people. You see a lot of the same people congregating together. They do everything together because you have to have that to sustain yourself. That's mm-hmm. where your protection comes from, people that you know. Yeah. You know? <laughs> wow. As far as the exciting parts was, you know, there's a difference between how the 90s was for us compared to, say, the 80s and 70s or even the 2000s. You came out 92, 93, just at the epicenter of when the 90s were just at its peak. You had, you know, you mentioned Jodeci, you know, Mary was blowing up, um, Jade came out with Don't Walk Away, you know, Brown, so all these groups were, were coming out and it was, everyone was difference you know there was it's not you know no copycats you know um, there was no you you knew every artist every song you can like you know we could celebrate everyone as an artist back then with all these amazing other groups solos and and groups how was it like did you feel like you're in competition did you feel like we need to show up because jade or and vogue's you know what, what was it like back in those early days 
Absolutely. It's always about friendly competition. Like we were fans of, and still are fans of all of those groups. But if we on the bill together, you know, <laughs> I one job to do, and that's the bus they had. <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure they felt the same way or whatever, but it, it's all in love. It's all like, oh, shit, they killed. We got to go out there and smash. So it's always, you know, that friendly competition for sure. But did you know that it was a lot of, you know, I mean, look at the industry now, but there was so much competition, so many groups, and they were all doing great things. Did you feel the pressure about how to get to number one and, and stuff like that? Did, did you? No. Now, that's the one thing my record company did. Like, they worked a lot of our records, and we never really had that, that kind of pressure. We didn't know that the record was going to just do crazy numbers. Mm. We had, there's just one day, you know, we did a video, and we were going, I know I would go to my godmother's house in the Bronx, and then the next time the record came out, the video was out. And then they, they, everybody saw that I was at my godmother's house, people banging on the door. <laughs> this is something else. So it just kind of changed. And, but it, it, it changed for the better. Like, I, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything because it, it really taught me how to be humble. It taught me that people don't have to like you mm. and they don't. I don't have to love you. So if, when I meet people who are not SWB fans, I don't take that personal. Are there not when, people that are not SWB fans? I didn't realize. Oh, like, because everybody don't like us. Okay. That's... You know, for whatever reason. I mean, they, they, you know, somebody don't have to like you for their own little reasons. It could be something so dumb. Or they just may not be into your kind of music. And you have to respect that. Mm -hmm. everybody is not going to like you and love you and that's why a lot of these young artists that come up today and I speak to them and stuff and I say you know whether your music is going to attract them when you go into somebody's presence you just make sure they like something about you mm. because that something about you can make them like everything about you yeah you know what I mean yeah. like that's a lot even even to me because i don't know people just have this perception of me i could turn it on and off <laughs> but they meet me it's always fun it's always a good time they're like oh my god i fuck with you you have a good time <laughs> but that's just me like you know i just feel like i just want everybody to just have a good time and and do some shit talking and just just have fun you know we've all been miserable i know i made a vow i don't cry my last <laughs> yesterday <laughs> not doing all that crying shit no more i'm not because i have so much more to be thankful for yeah you know, like my present is so amazing right now my my today my current yeah. is so amazing to me so i have a lot to celebrate even like outside of how people know me mm. you know yeah I know the reputation is, oh, Lily, she's, she's always a straight talker and stuff. So. <laughs> I'm a shit talker all day. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am. But, it's, you know, it's, 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 
it's cool. That's just my personality, you know, and people just, I love for people to be themselves, you mm. know, because all day we spend time, uh, I'm like people that we know, they're corporate people and they go to church and they, they put on. Yeah. What people see about them is not even who they are. It's who they think they should have to be in front of people. Mm. And why should you have to be somebody other than who you are? Yeah. You yeah, and, and as I said, in your industry, it's it's very very different from, you know, where day to day, no, you know, we can almost be as genuine as we as we need to be. But in, in the industry you're in, you, you're probably used to people who are too faced and stuff. But I, I, how was it like when you first heard yourself on the radio? Because we've seen different biops and like even Salt and Pepper or New Edition when they're listening to themselves on the radio for the first time. Can you remember when you first had? I remember very clearly. We was in LA on a promo tour. We were in a limo coming from the airport. And I LA. came. <laughs> we sticking our head out the window. Oh my God. <laughs> but it's just amazing because you. You really, you you put in a lot of work in the studios, a lot of long hours, a lot of sacrificing. And now you you put yourself in a position to finally see if this thing is going to work or not. Yeah. You know, and thank God, you know, it did. It did. I've, I've been blessed to work with two amazing women, you know, right, wrong, and indifferent. We did some dope shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That dope shit, nobody can take away from us because we all were there. Yeah. You know? So um, one thing I love about um, SWV is that we always vowed that we will always keep our, our same three members. And regardless of when we were going through our transition and we was doing a little petty stuff, the petty fighting stuff, when we came back, we came back as three girls who started this thing and that to me that's what it's all about yeah you know i mean and you know thank god none of nothing is because i know a few other groups maybe somebody has passed away and they they can't be back there but yeah to, to keep the core it, it, it's it's very impressive especially after that that span of time when the record first came out i remember watching the new edition stuff they were coming back from tour but going back to the to the to their homes and stuff did Jay, did RCA move you guys into, you know, Manhattan, into penthouses, or were you still back in your... um, RCA didn't move us into shit. <laughs> Everything comes with a price, ladies and gentlemen, okay? They didn't pay shit. I paid. Okay, so before I got my, my I, the condo in, in Jersey, I stayed at the Renaissance Hotel in Times Square. Wow. That's when I learned that um, everything comes with a price. They wasn't putting me up in shit. That was a bill that we had to pay. Wow. And I stayed there for like three months. And no one told you that this, no one tells you? No, they don't tell you shit. They don't tell you nothing. They don't tell you nothing. You just find the only person that tell you anything is your accountant, because one thing you're going to tell you, your ass is broke. (laughs) 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 
That's the only one that's doing some talking is the accountant, you know? Wow. But nobody don't tell you nothing. Wow. It's, 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 it's hard for us, as I said, as, as fans, to, just to see how, you know, young, talented people just get no, 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 you know, you think someone like, you know, um, Brandy, um, whose mum or Usher, you know, they have parents who, or even Beyonce and Destiny's Child, when you have parents, they know what's going on. They, they sort of look after them, but that's very rare to have not too many people like that. But see, this is the thing, and, and I'm not um, I'm not trying to diminish anybody's character at all. But sometimes, when you're coming up in a profession like this, the people that brought you in, they don't know no more than what you know. Mm. So that's part of the problem as well. You got a whole lot of inexperienced people who are just ignorant to how the industry works and how paperwork works you know what i mean mm. like we weren't we didn't know back then that we got to get a lawyer to watch this lawyer <laughs> <laughs> and this account to look over this accountant's books you know like we didn't know we didn't have that lesson back then wow so thing is literally trial and error and when i look at these artists now and see how much money they get i'm like shit <laughs> we came out too early <laughs> 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 you know, like yo they getting paid yeah but i love it though like whenever i get an opportunity to tell somebody these stories and these lessons that i had i mean i i wrote a lot of the stuff in my book as well but um i love it i love to see the new artists today that's just doing a thing man they doing a thing and if, if you've been following me you know i love me some her like i yeah. love her that's my little baby. And I just see her just, she's just blossoming. Mm. Just be position. Yeah. She ain't naked. She ain't selling ass. Yeah, yeah. Just getting paid to be a musician. Yeah. And that is heard of nowadays. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember when when you, you sat down with Donnie and, and you just, you were promoting downtown and he, he said, oh, you guys are church girls, and what are you singing about? And, and, and it almost feels as if you didn't realize the song that you've been recording. No, I knew from day one what that song was about. <laughs> <laughs> that story came from, but I knew what that song was about. <laughs> trying to figure out a tasteful way to say it. <laughs> I, I ain't got nothing to do with me. I know, I knew what that song was about. From day one, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 then, did you guys have a choice? In, in, in you know, when, when you here's a song, just sing it, or did could you say anything, or were you just like, well, I'm just what was it like for being young recording artists and the head of the labels are bringing these producers with these tracks? Well, I think we had a um, a hand in picking the songs because we never really do songs we don't like okay. most of the time. And then sometimes artists really don't know what they're talking about because um, there were songs we didn't like and those songs went like bananas, you know? They went bananas and right here being one of them. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I, the remix for um, 
um, Human Nature remix. Um, I remember um, interviewing Mucho, uh, Mucho Scott, and he was at Future, and he says, yeah, you guys all came down, um, but you guys weren't really feeling it and stuff. Um, it, well, I mean, one of the you know biggest singles in the '90s. But what, what did you like the original and didn't want to mess it up? I love the original. That I don't know was you know being from New York City is something. Ah. Everything was about this, you know. Yeah. If you was popping and do that, then yo, that is gonna work like it's dope. Yeah, but. Even today, it's so boring to me. <laughs> I mean, definitely a song that you could enjoy on the radio, but it's not one of my favorite songs to perform. It's so boring. Even today, it's just boring to me. <laughs> so I can understand because it's slow. I think most will because of the Michael Jackson sort of underplay in it, I think that's what really, really got us like, wow, you got Michael on it. Um, and I think, but, and, and yeah, it, as I said, it, it, it isn't, I'm so into you. My favorite from you guys was I'm so into you. Uh, I, I, I get it musically. Teddy Riley has always been my, my biggest ever in anything he does. And so when mm -hmm. I got the remix that he did with um, Rex and effect and the whole, Check one, check two. I mean, I love love that single and stuff. Um, yeah, dope. He's dope. Yeah, and, and so I mean, and I, I know All Star also did 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 some tracks with with you guys as well. But I, I did love those types, those the remixes, um, because it it showcased. It really took the song, you know, not taking anything away from the original, but it it really took the song across to people who didn't really hear the the first oh, one. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I mean, that song took off. And I'll, you know, at the time, his name is Kenny Ortiz. He really, he shut us up on that one. Like he, if there was ever a time we were proven to be wrong and we need to shut the hell up sometime, <laughs> because, you know, as artists, we, we always like to do things that we like to do and we want to do, but we never like, we, we don't think about the business side of it. And wow, you know, we can build this audience and we can gravitate towards this audience like and and make it not just like a, our record but an everybody record yeah 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 so and that's what you said should definitely have in mind when you go in the studio and record songs you want a record that everybody can sing can enjoy yeah and those records are the records that win yeah yeah simplicity yeah. always best it it always works like yeah. you got best singers who can't sell records because no one can sing like that <laughs> mm, yeah i mean that's probably how i got into you guys is that i'm i'm so into you just like you know anything teddy did i bought and 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 you know that that that's how i i, I got in it i i do wonder then um when was it like going back to the apollo for the first time because here's your here's your eight-year-old person who has slowly prophesied to your mom i'm going to come as a guest can you remember the very first show you did as part of SWV? Mm. I believe it was a, actually it was Jack the Rapper. I want to say Jack the Rapper was the first, that was a big music convention in Atlanta. Oh yeah, yeah, back, yeah. And um, that was the, one of the first real performances 
that we've done, you know, and it was just, I'll I never forget Jack the Rapper because all the record labels had their artists there. So it was like one big party. Yeah. <laughs> Where each artist, each record label, like uh, rented out a different room in the hotel. Mm. And the artists would show, their artists would showcase like um, Uptown, MCA would have their, their, um, or their room. RCA will have their room where it'll be SWV, Shantae Savage. And oh, it was a, a girl group on our label as well called Black Girl. Oh, yeah. I'm a 90s girl. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Girl, yeah. And they were super dope too. I ain't going to front. But they was, <laughs> oh, they were dope. They yeah. were really. And, um, but we were just two different groups. Like, you know, you can't, you couldn't take us. We was going to take the Bronx and Brooklyn wherever we went. <laughs> they like, I just feel like it's so important to rep where you from. Like people get on me because of the way I talk. I'm not corporate. I'm not none of that stuff, but I can, I, I can transition from talking to my friends to talking to somebody who is unfamiliar with where I'm from. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I love that. I love everything the hood have to offer, honey, because that was my stomping ground. Yeah. That's how I learned a lot of my lessons. What about when you first went back to Apollo as a guest? Can you remember that? When I first went back to the Apollo as a guest, absolutely. Um, I think we had on, oh, God. I think we had doobies in our hair. I had beige jumpsuit, some beige overalls. Oh, that outfit was so <laughs> Well, yeah, it was exciting because I was like, oh my God, and then, you know, the crowd, just knowing that the crowd wasn't going to boo us. Yeah. We were so it's this thing when you go on the, the Apollo stage and you like a guest, and they're excited about you. They jump up immediately. They jump up right away, you know? So I love just the energy. It was amazing. It was good. It was really good. Did you, did you get, did your mom come to see at the Apollo? My mom was at the Apollo for that particular show. Absolutely. Yes, she was. Did she remember yeah. what you said when you were a kid? Did she? Did... Oh, yeah, she remembered. She remembered. Wow. Yep, she remembered, and my mom lived long enough to see that come to pass, and she died. Oh, when did she, how long ago did she die? My mom died two years, three years after we, um, after SWV was born. Wow, wow, sorry. Three years after that Apollo Theater performance, our first Apollo Theater performance, my mom passed away. Wow. Mm-hmm. How did you manage at that young age? It was hard. I had to go to the funeral and go back to work. You know? Wow. Did, did you get any emotional support and therapeutic support from the labels and management? And Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, that's your support. <laughs> so it's sad somebody got to die. For them to, to feel some type of compassion for you but you know yeah absolutely and I'll never forget I have this beautiful story about Heavy D right 
Heavy D was the first celebrity that sent me flowers when my mom passed away. Wow. So I will always remember Heavy D. When I tell you he sent the most beautiful flowers for my mom, they had they couldn't even fit all the flowers in a funeral home. It was just wow. beautiful. Wow. Did a lot of people reach out to support you within the... In the well, uh, yeah, yeah, but not, not a lot, you know, because we didn't have the access we had back then. Like, everybody didn't have your phone number. I didn't have a phone number. We had beepers. Oh, yeah, beepers. Yeah, pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we didn't have cell phones. We had beepers, and, you know, the sidekicks was popular at one point, you yeah, know. Yeah. A lot of people didn't really have my phone number, but of course, through my coworkers, they kind of sent their condolences yeah. to me. And I received it, you know. Wow. That's no, as I said, but and 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 but you still had your family support to look after your kids while oh, you're yeah. still absolutely for sure, yeah. Yeah. You know, I know when you when you guys did um went to new beginnings and you the production change you got different producers and stuff um was there any concern about losing your, your fans because who got used to the sound you had in about time and when you you moved yet um did you did you have anything with puffy was that um with puffy and someone. Someone, someone yes yeah so there, it was a sort of different it, yeah, it was sort of di different. I mean, I still had all, I bought all the albums, but I'm just wondering, did you want, worry about uh, the fans might think, oh, this is not like Week and, 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 uh, and our first album? No, no, because um, when, you, when you're creative, you want to do just that. You want to be creative. And it's almost impossible to recreate something like weak. You know what I mean? Like, we already gave you that. Now it's time to move on to something else. But of course, I don't think we ever strayed too far away from what the fans enjoyed. Now, I do say that that third record, that release some tension record was horrible. <laughs> With that record, that record was so bad. And I think, you know, that was actually after, you know, they made some label changes and wow. the guy, uh, the A&R who found SWV and all of those amazing records, for some reason, they let him go and brought somebody else in who totally destroyed that album. Mm -hmm. And he knows how I feel about that today. So I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you shit, don't take my word for it. Look at it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sales. Yeah, felt like that was a waste of our budget. I felt like you know it was all of these damn rappers featuring SWB. I felt like we was on somebody else's album. Yeah, and it was a waste of our budget. You know, it was just that. Oh, just the thought. Rain saved that record. Yeah, Rain saved that record because that was the only reason. I listened to that record. I ain't played nothing <laughs> except for, I think it was a song in there called On and On. Andrea Martin wrote that song. Mm -hmm. um, God rest her. Soul. 
Yeah, and um, everything she did, I thought was dope. But yeah. the album just had all of these rappers on there, and I'm like, the, ugh. I just thought it was stupid. It was very dumb business wise. Like, why would you do that? You know, and and you know, and you know, you know. I know we all love Redman and 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 the rest, but I know that it it's it show it's it was the prelude of what happened to R&B where they started to put more hip hop and hip hop almost became okay. Cause you guys almost pretty much ushered in the fact that we got a hip hop artist singing R&B and we get the R&B artist featuring because that then became the norm, which it's still unfortunately the dominant part then. And, and I think that's more and more, we lost the essence of, of you guys with, with, with a lot of those tracks that were, that were being pushed out and, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that, 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 that was, a, but, but you couldn't fight it. You, you know, it's hard. You know, I think we would wonder if you guys could, could fight it or do anything. You just had to accept what's, what the label, what they, how they spend the money. I mean, pretty, pretty much. I mean, you can give them a hard time, but for what? When they have all the control. Okay. You want to give me a hard time? We're going to push this record back. Yeah. So don't have a record we don't we can't tour we can't make money yeah you know so it ain't but so much you can do with the person that got the purse when you when, you, when the person got the bag what you gonna say yeah it's been a journey, you know so but i i've always been verbal about the fact that i thought that that album was whack but then it, it was that the last album you did with rca then because it didn't do as well as the first two I want to say that was, yeah. and it should, because that was terrible. Yeah. And the guy put that record together should have been fired. I, I don't think it was long after that he got fired, but he should have gotten fired. <laughs> yeah, but then what? Because I know a year after the album comes out, that's when you guys took your hiatus and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, what is that like? Because, as you said, if you're not a featured songwriter, producer on your albums, so you're, you're collecting all the publishing and stuff, and you're relying on, on tour, when uh, the label who has been your home for almost 10 years says, okay, you know, not, not even up to 10 years, you know, seven, eight years, says, you know, we're, we're dropping you guys, what, what do you do then as, a, as, as Lily? <laughs> Well, Lily, I, I pretty much um, went into my sunken place because it was like a marriage to me. And then that's when I realized that somebody had so much control. They controlled my mind. They controlled whether I moved forward in my career or not. Like that was just the turning point for me. And I was young. Like I was doing this longer than I wasn't. You know, so I went to that sunken place and that's when the, all the suicidal thoughts started happening and I was just going to just take it all out. I was going to eat and do it because I couldn't face a lot of the stuff that I was dealing with. I didn't want to. I didn't want people to see me any different than what they been, how they knew me and how they met me. And now that was taken away from me. Wow. You know what I mean? But, um... It took for that to happen for me to, to turn into and blossom into the woman that I am today. 
that was really a turning point for me mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, because something like that could just suck the life out of you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I lost weight. Like I just, I didn't, I had no identity. I didn't know who I was. I, I didn't even know my name. My first name didn't mean shit to me. The name that my mother gave me didn't mean shit to me because I got so stuck on fans calling me Lily, Lily, Lily. So Leanne. Oh, Leanne. I'm sorry. <laughs> you forgot? No, but yeah, because, yeah, that's, I forget it's a stage name. We just. <laughs> You're so. Even to me, like, it was one of the things, like, oh, my God. And I had to realize, yo, I am somebody. Like, this doesn't define me. This is just a chapter in my life and in, in my journey. And you don't think about that until you're in that sunken place. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I got a job. I got everything. Listen, y'all ain't getting all of this stuff. Y'all better get <laughs> Book. I, I gotta get this book. <laughs> this book has everything. Uh, has everything you want to know in it. Is it? I regret the day I lost my virginity. I regret the day I lost my virginity. You are not your past, and all of these stories that I'm telling you is all in here in depth. Like I, this was my therapy. This was. This was the, the thing that I did that belongs to me. I own 100% of my book and every word that I say in here. So I was very proud of this. And um, it, it took me out of bondage because I, I was broken. I was broke. I didn't, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know anything. Within our community, and, and as uh, and even though my family is African, uh, Nigerian, but but as Black, mental health talking, um, and and showing vulnerability, is something that it almost seems like a taboo. And the fact that you're sharing this is really important because, even because as a therapist, I'm one of the only Black male therapists in in my count. Well, in, in working with young ch with children. Very few of our patients are black because as families, they don't accept. So the fact that you're sharing this is, is really powerful. But how did you get, who helped, who reached out to pull you out of that? That's, um, because it's, you know, most of us, you know, the industry you worked in, it, they're cutthroats. Friends might have been, you might have tried to hide from people. And you um, and. Your, your, your rock and your, as of, of your mom had, had passed. Um, did, who reached out? Did you have, who, who could you turn to? Well, I've always had my family to turn to, but a lot of things that was going on with me, my family didn't know about. Wow. They had no idea, you know? So I had to deal with this stuff alone. And I, I made up, my mind that this was going to be the day that I checked myself out of here. I was committing and comfortable with the fact that I was going to take my life. And um, 
I remember making one, two calls. I said I was going to call my sisters to, to tell them to just, you know, I love them, take care of my kids. And um, my sister didn't answer the phone the first time, but my other sister answered the phone as soon as I called. And it was like a divine intervention. She said, just come home. Just come home and just crying. We're both boo-hooing on the phone, just crying. And she's like, just come home, sis, come home. And it just kind of gave me like a calm to the point where I, when I say I've never cried myself to death, like I, if, if me hurting myself wasn't going to take me out, I felt like all of these, all this crying was going to take me out because I cried so much. My whole body was dry. Like I was so dehydrated. My mouth was like foaming and it was just crazy. But I, there was a light at the end of that phone call. It was a light at the end of that phone call. And I chose life. I chose to live. And at the time, I was staying in a hotel. I ran out of money. I couldn't afford to get another day at, at the hotels, the Marriott Hotel. That's why I love the Marriott to this day, because me and the Marriott have a connection. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we have like. Yeah, you know, you know what we went through, Marriott. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I went back in that room and I just I literally beat myself up. Like I I cursed myself out. How dare you? You you're gonna do something so selfish, you you fucking coward. Like you you just making, you know, you're making the devil happy by doing all of these things and, you, and your thoughts are crazy and you weren't raised this way, but you just want to take yourself out. You're weak. You are losing. Like I was saying all kinds of shit to myself in the mirror. Like I was literally looking at myself like you a coward just crying. And then the cry ended up being, it ended up turning into laughter. <laughs> it became funny. I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? And that's how I know that, I don't know, the presence of God to me is, is so real because my dark moment, I was just dark 30 minutes ago. I wanted to check out. And now I'm laughing. I'm, I'm smiling. I love who I see now. And I chose to live. When I walked out of that hotel room, it was like I never thought about anything that I was thinking an hour ago. Mm. Because when I said out my mouth that I'm, cho I'm choosing to live, I've got a lot of shit to do on this planet before, you know, God take me home. Like, I ain't got to take myself out. God is going to help me out with that, but at his time. That's what it was for me. And my life changed instantly. I got a job. I went home, like my sister said. I, I spent the night at her house. I was staying with her. 
And the crazy thing was I wasn't making the money that I was making when I was with my group, but I was making $10, $11 an hour, but I was so peaceful. And that's why I always tell people who complain about their jobs, you do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. Stop fucking complaining because your shit can be different. Your story can be a lot different. I went through making money to making $10, $11 an hour. I have no car. I did a voluntary repo. I took everything back that I felt like didn't belong to me. Honestly, like I'm like, fuck this car, fuck this, fuck that. And, you know, I didn't care. I'm like, if God will bless me the first time, he'll bless me with it again. And he's done that over and over again. But you have to speak life into your own situation. And that's what I did. That's what my mother did for me. And that's what I did for myself. And that's when I, I realized that I was dope. I was amazing. I, it it takes an amazing person to be ridiculed in front of a lot of people, see you working at an office job and they just call your extension just to hear your voice because they the superstars ha has a job now. You know, she ain't shit no more. She's just like us, which I've always been. But it didn't matter what they were saying because I was at peace. I knew how much money I was going to make. I knew what I was bringing home. I knew if I bust this clock down and I put in all this overtime, what I was going to make. So I started slowly. I said, okay, I ain't got no car, but the first thing I'm going to get is a car. So I bust up. I was doing 18 hours, 14 hours, like at this job. And every two weeks I got paid, I was able to do something different. The first two weeks I was able to get me a car. It was a piece of shit, but it was a car and it was a blessing and I got it. So I knew once I got that car, the car was gonna get me to my money. It's gonna get me more money because I can always drive the car and push come to shove, you know, you lose your place, you can always sleep in your car. And that's why I tell people today, like cars are special. I look at cars different. That's why I always buy a truck. I never buy a truck because shit, if shit go bad, I'll sleep in this damn truck. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, but you know, I can laugh about it now and, um, because I'm free. I'm free from it. And that's why I don't mind talking about it because I need to free somebody else mm -hmm. and let them know that they are not their past. Like they are strong and don't always look for people, for validation in people because you may never get it. You mm -hmm. may never get it, you know? So, so, so I've, you know, I've, I've had people call and say they're just about to walk to a train station and jump in front of a train and I've had to, you know, and, and, and I realized back in those early days when I used to do crisis, you can't tell them, oh, what about your family? Because when you've made up your mind, family, kids means nothing. You're almost thinking they acted, they're going to be better off without me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's, you have to think something else, not, you can't just, you know, you have to, because the whole thing is I failed everybody and, and by going, they're going to be better off. 
and, and you can reason with with someone like that. But the fact that you didn't have any ex, well, I won't say external intervention. You 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 had a divine intervention to to switch. That's not an easy switch. That that going from wanting to end your life to saying no, I need to shape up, and you know that's that's a movie. You know, someone would say, oh, that's a movie, like a guardian agent stuff. It's definitely a movie. And hopefully Lifetime will want to tell the story. But um, my whole mission, man, I, just kind of thinking about everything I went through in my life and how things turned out and how I was able to just keep myself afloat and just, just stay alive. Because I just think about how different things could have been. And that's why everything that I do today is intentional. I'm not feeling bad for myself. I'm not feeling bad for people because I'm like, yo, if I did it, it, it ain't that hard for you. You mm. know what I mean? I just think we have to make up our mind to do it. You know? And no, it's not gonna always be easy. It wasn't easy for me. But I made up my mind to do it. I put one foot in front of the other and I did it. Where, where did that come from? That Because that's, you're talking about the degree of humility that even us who have never been in the spotlight will struggle with. Um, for, for, for somebody who dominated the charts, who was, you know, you, 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 you went to one hit wonder, you, you, you came out with, you, you know, you had one of the biggest singles of the decade very recognizable and you're getting a job and you and, and you are appreciating, you know, 10, 11 bucks an hour and, and, and thinking small steps to big steps. Where did that come from? Because it's very few people who even who aren't famous would do that. But how, where, where did that sense of humility come from? I think um, I finally start loving myself because I had to realize that I started, I wanted, I looked for validation in men. I looked for if he didn't think I was pretty or if I wasn't chosen, it would depress me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, you, you men, you have a choice. And this is all when I was a teenager. But um, I had to learn how to love myself. And I realized I didn't love myself for a long time because I didn't know what that felt like, you know? I didn't know what loving myself meant until I was, until I had to stand alone, literally. I was alone. Nobody knew what was going on with me. They just knew that the group wasn't together, but they didn't know what was going on with me. I was alone. I would talk to myself. I would give myself every reason I should be here. Then in my darker moments, I gave myself every reason that I should just die. Oh, they'll be, they'll be okay without me. They don't give a fuck anyway. You know, like, oh, life will just go on. No one will miss me. Eh. But all of that changed. Like you can either look at the glass half empty or look at it half full. And then I had to tell myself that I was so dope. Hmm. I'm telling you, like I literally had to tell myself 
I, I was thinking of all of these different things that was great about me. And I'm like, damn, you know, it's more great stuff in me than not. Why am I angry? Why am I so mad? And that's why I'm big on energy today. Because you can be happy and then the, the spirits are coming around you and you just get angry. You start doing shit that you wasn't thinking about doing before. And you're like, ugh, you know? But it's so important that we love ourselves. It's so important that we tell ourselves that we're dope. We tell ourselves that we're beautiful. We tell ourselves that there was there's somebody in this world that's gonna love me the way I love myself. And and that's and and I've never been married, but I'm waiting for that guy that will love Leanne like Leanne loves herself. And until that happens, I will not be married. I will be single. <laughs> yeah. Cause this is a lot of love I give myself, honey. Like it's 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 overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So I, you know, I have a seven-year-old grandbaby who's gonna be eight and I want her to not have to depend on anybody's love. I want her to be able to do like this and know that this is enough. This is enough. Cause you may not get it. Yeah. And if you don't get it, what you gonna do? You gonna be a coward like your grandmother would have been and take yourself out and get mad because no one wants to love you. So what? Nobody don't have to love you. But you have to love yourself. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, well, yeah, one of my 14-year-old patients, I told her job over the next three weeks is to put a positive affirmation each day because uh, unless you, as you said, learn to love yourself, you can't depend on somebody else's love because they will always let you down. Ooh, every time, every single time. And that's why we see a lot of unhappy things happen in the world today. I just read something today, a guy in Germany took his whole family out. You know, how this man killed his uh, ex-girl, his ex-wife or something. And I think it was his wife, his ex-wife and left the kids in a car. Like everybody's unhappy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what are you going to do when you get unhappy? Because we can always, you know, create an environment where we're, ha where we're happy and things are going well. Well, that's not life. Things yeah. are not always going to go well. So what are you going to do when, it, when, when you no longer have no, nothing to laugh about or smile about? Or you don't have a, a pretty song to sing? What are you going to do? You going to yeah. check out? You going to make everybody else miserable? No. Sit down and take a minute. Maybe you're moving around too much. Just sit still and figure out, okay, how did I get here? You have your own answers to your own questions. We just don't ask the questions. Yeah. Sometimes we are afraid of ourselves. Yeah. I, I can imagine your mom being very proud of how, you know, you, you, you're able to figure it out for yourself. And, and because as I said, um, I've worked in mental health for a long time. It's not as easy, but taking the steps that you've shown, it, it's something that I wish everyone, especially mm -hmm. those who are watching, who are, 
in a black community just to understand that, yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, reaching out for help, admitting that, you know, things are a struggle and taking stock. Um, because, yeah, it's hard, you know, yeah. Very hard, but you, but you have to just speak, speak it into your own life. Yeah, you do. Wait on people too much. Like we depend on people for too much. We give people way too much credit. Yeah. Way too much credit. Yo, let me tell you, if I'm dating somebody, he decides he don't want me no more. <laughs> I'm not gonna be banging on your door. I'm not gonna make you want me. I ain't got that kind of problem. Like, I, no, you know, you were option two, and I chose to give you the time. But then that's another thing. It's like we be in these relationships, and we give people more time than they deserve with us. Friendships, more time than they deserve with us. We feeling bad, but we feel this so so connected to them because of familiarity and just being comfortable. They know all my business, so <laughs> tell it. I don't give a damn. Tell it. Tell it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. You have like so many different reasons why we hold on to shit, you know? And it don't mean us nothing. 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 Wow. <laughs> it's, yeah. And, you know, it's really been great i mean hearing your inspiration side of things um but also seeing i mean that's that's amazing that the the journey you took from being at the marriott and deciding you know to turn things around and being excited about making 11 dollars an hour and almost planning ahead and, and as i said it's for the most of us it's it's even without the fame it's hard um, but I, I, that's the reason why we did this was to show people that look, we saw you rocking the soul trains and around the world, and then mm -hmm. it did it. You know, it lost everything, but you still have come out on the other side, and 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 almost for other people to think, you know, my talk, my stuff mm -hmm. is tough, but listening mm -hmm. to what Lily has gone through, you know, it's it you know it it can't be as tough as that, and so I need to just buckle myself up and. And, and and move forward yes and this and this now i think sometimes we complicate our situation more than than it, than it really is because we don't want to accept the how did i get here part when we're the reason why we got here that shit don't know mm, i ain't gonna put it on me mm. but most of the time we're the reason why we got here or even if it's somebody else that got you to this point, admit it, own it, own it. Like, yo, I wasn't as attentive as I should have been. You know, or I didn't do this. Like I should have went left and I went right or should have gone right, I went left, you know, but. But in your case though, the, you didn't know about the industry. So, and so there's, you couldn't have, People always say, well, I could have gone on a lawyer, but in reality, could you have done anything? You know, you didn't put the third album together. You, you know, what could you have done to stop being dropped? I don't think there's anything I could have done. Yeah. Nothing at all. Like, like I 
and everything that I learned in this business was trial and error. Mm. Had to be homeless to know that I don't ever want to experience this again. Mm. You know, as a young girl, we had to get put out every other month to know that I need something that's a little, that's going to stabilize me to the point where I don't want to get evicted again. Mm. You know, and, and that's just how, how it happened for me. You know, I wish it was different. You know, I, I wish I was a trust fund baby sometimes, but that, that ain't how, to, how it was laid out for me. Yeah. I went through some real shit, you know, and I had to learn some real lessons, you know, through myself and, and through other people. But then how did you get into trust to come back to, because you, you, you then have created um, a safety net, which is a mindset of, um, by doing this nine to five, even with the overtime, I'm able to build a nest and I, and I can trust that this is, this is tangible. But well, then... guess what? It was a lot easier coming back the oh. second time because now I knew that I could survive without this. Okay. Once you survive, when people tell you, uh, you ain't going, you ain't going to do shit. You ain't going to do nothing. I actually was living a very modest, peaceful life without it. So I'm like, you know, okay. So if we do this again, I get to make a little bit more money and I'm on point now. So I know if something else happens, I can go this way again. Mm. I have, at least I got a pot now. Mm. And I know what to do with the pot. Yeah. See, before I didn't know what to do with the pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barely, barely there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so even money and it just started looking different, you know. And even today, like I'm a saver. Okay. I'm scared to, to spend money, you know. Like I, I can if I want to, but I don't. I don't want to. That's not the desire for me yeah. anymore. Yeah, like, have... I'm, I'm 30 years in a game and not anything to show for it. Mm. Like, to, I, I was just telling, you know, a few people the other day we was on this, um, this three-way call. And I was like, you know, it's so sad that a lot of these artists have to work because they have to and not because they want to. We've yeah. been doing it 30 years. Ain't got shit to show for it. Yeah. We should all have our homes paid for. Like, it, it should why 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 are we still doing this because we want we have to and not because we want to yeah you know and, and i think that's the, um the relationship with money is quite different so a lot of british musicians come from money so they're not they don't chase money and actually the, the record labels give respect them differently give them better deals and you know, the recent one album's already multi-millionaires because it's, but they're not doing it for the money, but the money's there. And I, and I think it's uh, stuff that is, as um, even in Africa, Nigeria and stuff, you know, we're still under a sort of a curse of poverty where it doesn't matter how much you make, you still, you still have hardly anything to show for it. But I think generationally, the next generation are faring better, have a different relationship with money. Um, so like your grandkids now, are going to see money differently. They're not going to fear it. They're not going to be 
they're gonna they're gonna know it's put it in its place and then build for the next generation. I think that's the thing that we definitely have to do because I know my kids are not gonna have look at money the same way say my parents looked at at, at money. And I think that's the one thing that you've set us a, a legacy uh, for, mm -hmm. uh, which is important. It, mm -hmm. Did you guys, did you do the documentary when you came back? Because I know the one that uh, I've seen on, on, on YouTube um, that, you, that you guys did, the, the, not the documentary, but it's like the reality show. Um, um, was that sort of the reunion coming back? Oh, no, we've been out when we did that. We, we got back together in 2005. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was just a part of everything that we just went through. You know, that was just... A, another job opportunity yeah we were already together so coming back now because as we're wrapping up because i know you guys i mean you're headline headlining festivals yeah i mean i, I saw the stuff you guys did in uh, in in new is in new york you'd be going to atlanta stadiums are full so everyone's singing along and stuff and and it's like it's almost, you know, and, and people rightly celebrate you guys as one of our premier R&B groups um, that have been. Did, does, does the touring become like, yep, we're going to just enjoy our touring? Is there any, not pressure, but is any desire to record new music? Or do you think, well, there's no real point. We just enjoy doing the touring and, 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 and using our catalogue? Well, sometimes you, you, you feel like... Um what's the use of recording music when we're doing what we need to do. They love those older records. They love those records. And sometimes I just think that's what they want. That's what they want to hear, you know, because we've done other records before, but I mean, it was just kind of lukewarm because we was with a label that was smaller than the group that they signed. You know what I mean? We were actually bigger than our label. So they didn't know what to do with us, you know? But um, yeah, yeah, sometimes I don't think it's a desire anymore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because you've been doing this for so long and you've been doing it the same way for so long. And the only thing that will make a difference is the money have to change. That's it. That's it because now it's time for a lot of 90s artists to get fruits of their labor. Mm. You know? And I'm ready for my fruit. I sacrificed a lot for this shit. I'm ready to see some fruit, some real fruit. <laughs> yeah, but did you think this, since the lockdown we passed the mic, you guys were on it twice and versus with escape, do you do you, mm -hmm. has that opened wide more doors for you guys? Absolutely, trust me. Like <laughs> now, it ain't no, it ain't no nothing has slowed down. You know, <laughs> not all. Like even before we did the verses, mm -hmm. like we booked the whole twenty twenty. Wow. And I'm, I kid you not. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it, them checks is coming in. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But, you know, you just feel like you just want to get what, what you're worth. Yeah. You know, you, you've been doing it forever. It's like, yo, I don't want yours. Give me what belonged to me. Yeah. It's time for 
you know, was we we paid some dues. Like we've done a lot. You know, so it's time for us to enjoy the fruits of our labor, as well as many other amazing artists who sacrificed to do this. And um, they need to, to, we need to die peacefully, peacefully, yeah. rich, comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, we need, it, it's so crazy because I look at these other artists and you get like a Katy Perry who's worth $300 million. <laughs> yeah. Yo, that shit bothers me. I'm like, well, how? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, we have the Dua Looper, Ed Sheeran, Adele, you know, they come out with one or two albums and then they're all the multimillionaires and, and you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and this, yeah. yeah. Same record labels, and you're wondering, what well, do they have uh, different deals in place than, uh, than I our? Think, I just think they handle African American artists a little different than they handle the other artists. Yeah. And we don't fight for shit. We need to start fighting for stuff. Yeah. You know? Did, would you ever do what Asante was doing and, and um, Taylor, Taylor, Taylor Swift, which is re record? Absolutely. That's that's the smart thing to do. You should own your masters. I think that's a an amazing move because everybody's making money off of you. So you own your masters, you re-record your songs, and people will buy the re-recorded versions and hoping you get it as close to the original as possible. And then, you know, that's money in your pocket. That's money in the bank. Would you guys ever consider doing that? Oh, we thought you I can't tell you everything. <laughs> you just digging, ain't you? No, 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 no. But it's but, it's something. Yeah. Absolutely, it's it's the smart thing to do. Okay. Yeah. It's the smart thing to do. Yeah. No, and and, and as I said, I've 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 been when I talk to artists, I say, look, don't go. Why go and do re, your cover version of Stevie Wonder when you can do cover versions of your own stuff that. Yeah, that, I understand that. Like, I, I'm, I'm at the point now, I ain't in that business to make nobody else rich. I am looking out for my own fucking pockets. Like, I'm serious, because nobody don't, they don't support you. They don't, they don't do, you know, they don't acknowledge you. Sometimes the industry is so cruel, yeah. you know? I want everybody to make their money. I want everybody to be able to have, you know, generational wealth or whatever, yeah. but... I'm at the point now in my life, I have to think about me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm in the second, third quarter of life. Shit, it's going to be over me. God only promised us 70 years. I got damn near. <laughs> <laughs> you got another 50, don't worry. <laughs> at least. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, hey, it's time for us to just sit on the beach and and drink a pineapple cranberry juice mix with yeah. cherries. You are, well, you know what? When when Michael was told he had fifty shows in London, and he, you know, I, I bought a ticket, and sadly he passed before he could come. But the, we we heard that he actually was not happy that they were giving him that many shows because we're so used to seeing him on stage, not realizing how much of a strain it is. And I think a lot of us didn't understand why artists were performing in the later years without realizing that. You, 
the money that's the livelihood and and, and stuff um listen, listen listen it's a check it is all about the check these people do not like you half of them don't love you they don't know half of the people at my label right now don't know we dead or alive it is about the money you are not a person you have a product that they can milk and make money from see people don't know we're the last ones that get paid we pay everybody else we the last we get the the crumbs i mean the crumbs don't look like y'all crumbs but they nice crumbs but <laughs> never ends the way it starts off wow, wow. <laughs> you know Oh. Wow. I think as we as we as we wrap up, because I know we've been doing this for a while, but um what can we expect in 2022? Because I know that you've got the the jazz festival. Is that in uh, is that the one in New Orleans or oh that's the one in Miami. Oh uh, Miami. Um you, yeah. <laughs> so you've got a jazz festival in Miami with with her and this Miss uh, M, 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 Miss Mary J, which which is such an amazing billing. I mean, couldn't how did you? What did you? So excited about that! I, you know, I'm a woman that loves a good story, and when I see Mary and how she's grown, like I think about twenty something years ago. You know, people would say little things about her and and question her gift, and I never ever question her gift. Mary is so amazing to me and she showed everybody that she can stand and she has. So she's an inspiration to me and with her as well. Like I'm learning a lot from a lot of these younger artists. Mm. You know? And that's the truth. So I'm excited about everything that's going on. That's a big show. I mean, what do you, do you guys have any other things planned for 2022 that you want to share? I mean, concerts or tours? Well, we have, um, just know that it's our 30th anniversary. Whoa. So all I can say is that you stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are we going to see you in the UK? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm here in the UK, the US... I love the UK. I love me some London. I love England. Actually, I got a friend that live over there too, but I love it over there. I wish they would have us back. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're struggling with COVID now, but I know in the summer, you know, it's 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 the I I I don't dabble with the promotion side, but I I would I'm sure you guys are always headline. Um, if, oh yeah, most of the time, yeah. Wow, no, it it would yeah. That's the one thing I miss about being in the states that I don't get to see you guys. But um, it, so we may see you do a lot of you know celebrate your thirtieth anniversary on the road. You are you any follow up from with as an author? And author, um, are you going to do any other writing? Absolutely, writing has become really special to me. Like I said, this is my first offering right here. Um, I regret the day I lost my virginity, you are not your past. And this was like the first 
book that I ever wrote. So I'm working on um, an erotica book right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like it's, it sounds crazy, but it's really like, you know, cause women don't really talk about sexual things without feeling uncomfortable. And the name of the, the audio book is The Many Faces of Sister Hot Pussy. So it, it's a, a, a collage of a whole lot of different stories and situations that women face that are sexual or not. Like it could be a thought, it could be something that they acted on, but these are professional women who just tap into their sexuality. And um, I don't know why we're so afraid to talk about sex. You know what I'm saying? We so afraid and we think people are gonna look at us some type of way, but that's not what it is. But so I have an audio erotica book coming like ASAP and it's called The Many Faces of Sister Hot Pussy. And then I'm gonna start writing my book based on my life during the quarantine. Wow. Yeah, so I love this writing. I love owning my shit. I <laughs> I just love it. I yeah. enjoy it. And also, um, I want to do a transitional home in honor of my mom. And I put that out there before. And it's called Margaret's Linen Room. That was my mom's name. And um, for single mothers, single mothers and um, single parents. And I just want to do something for women that's yeah. going to, you know, because you have a lot of women who are married to men and when they break up with the man, they're in the street. They're so I want to provide a transitional home for them so that they can have some type of comfort and, and learn the skills that they need to learn to survive. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I know that um, uh, um, your website has has a book and also has some of your merchandise as well. Mm -hmm. So when we're putting this out, we will definitely put the link to that so people can click yes, on it. Yes, rebranded. It's called Cutie in a Hoodie. And that was inspired because I'm a girl that loves a hoodie. Like I think hoodies are fly. Yeah. And also, you know, women are now dressing hoodies up and down. Like I could rock this with some leggings and some pumps now, you know, so. <laughs> I just felt like there is always something that you can, like a conversation you can create without even opening your mouth. And and I, I love, if I saw somebody with cutie and a hoodie on, like I, it would make me smile because I would feel beautiful. Yeah. So that was the whole, you know, the motivation to do that line. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, now I'll make sure that that, 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 that link is, I, I guess the question is what's what are pumps? Cause I always remember BBD saying, don't forget the pumps. Hill shoes, the lettos. Oh, so that's, wow. Why would they call them pumps? They, I would, I would, okay. That's all. Okay. Okay. I was like, okay, pumps. Don't forget the pump. Okay. So you, oh, so you mean like high heels? Okay. So they call, we call them pumps. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, that's good. I, I didn't want to just go search on Google. I said, well, might as well ask you. So. Yeah. Oh, they're just high heel shoes. High heels. Okay. So that makes sense. I always end my interviews by asking my guests that if you were stuck in an elevator and it says, look, it will take about three hours, but while we're waiting, we'll put a movie for you. What movie would you request? 
Oh man. Ah, a move. Oh, sparkle. Oh, okay. Which one though? The original sparkle. Oh, the original one. Okay. Yes, because that is so many messages in that story. Mm. So it definitely um definitely be sparkle. Okay. And it's one of seen it. Yeah, no, no, I've um, yeah, I've seen I've, it, but it's been a long time, um, so I wouldn't have. And this is before I love music, so I've Go seen it. The original Sparkle, but it taught me a lot. That movie taught me a lot. That it, and it, and it taught me a lot about life because sometimes people have to die for somebody else to blossom. Yeah, and that is hands down one of my favorite movies of all time. Wow. Oh. What would be your favorite song of all time? Oh my gosh. Favorite song? Really? You going to do this to me? Yeah. I asked everybody about the favorite song. <laughs> oh my gosh. Favorite song. Mm. Now, well, it, it, okay. I have to say this. A gospel song that I love that actually changed my life was this song by Dorinda Clark Cole, one of the Clark sisters, and it's called I'm Still Here. And that was basically my testimony wow. when I was a lot of the dark times or whatever. Wow. I always refer to that song when I feel like I'm, I'm going into a certain space and, and that song kind of gives me reassurance that, that God is, is who he is all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But that, it would definitely be that song. Wow. I know, know before I used to ask if you were stuck in, if the elevator, they're about to play the movie, what song would you put? But it, I just realized it's best to ask you what your favorite song is and stuff. Um, but you mentioned her being um, an artist that you're fond of who's out today. Um, a lot of us have, a lot of our audience aren't really into anything after 2000 because it seems like, you know, there's Jasmine Solomon, um, Ari Lennox, there's, there's a lot of female artists that are now, but some of us feel as if, they sound too similar and not as distinctive as back when you guys were out. And even the material they're singing about are almost the same. Um, you know, um, as somebody who's been in the industry for almost 30, for about 30 years, what advice would you give to up and coming artists, R&B artists? One, piece of important advice that I would definitely give them. Like I've run into great, amazing singers all the time. And when I asked them, I said, well, well, who do you sound, who would you say you sound like? And some of them say Beyonce and some of them would say, um, you know, Tony Braxton or whoever they say, they always end up sounding exactly like them. So when the song is over, I say, you are dope. You can really sing. But now let's hear what you sound like. Mm. You don't need to sound like Beyonce because we already have one. Mm. 
We already have a Tony Braxton. We don't need another one. What do you sound like? And I think that's the hardest thing for a lot of artists to do is find their voice. Mm -hmm. You know, so it would be that. Find the musician and the singer in you. Don't think you have to sound like everybody else. Don't think you have to do what everybody else is doing. Study music, all kind of music. Mm. Not just music that, uh, not just R&B. Study pop, study uh, folk music, study music, look, study the top Billboard Top 100. Find mm. out why songs are top 10 and some songs are not. That's what I do. You got to do your homework. Yeah, <laughs> and then hire a lawyer to look after you. Look after the contract. <laughs> Do not get too happy about nothing. Don't get happy about the popping of the champagne. Yeah, it's exciting because you everybody want to be the one that's chosen, but there this is called show business, yeah. and actually it should be business show because the business. <laughs> always going to come first and business in this business is not always fair yeah so <laughs> yeah yeah you know i have to appreciate your time i mean every you know woody from drew hill um, crazy bone from it all said the same thing about the business sound even pamela long from total um, formerly of total they all said the same type of things and we've all been educated and inspired by, 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 your, by your story and, and stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, I definitely appreciate the time. You know, it's, we've probably spent almost two, more than two hours and I know you shouted out 90 minutes. I'm gonna cut you off because I gotta do another, um, I gotta judge something on Clubhouse tonight. Okay, no, no, as I said, I, I, that's, yeah, that, but, it, but it, it's, been, it's, been, it's, been, it's been great. And I know that we, as I said, um, We'll make sure everyone understands, sees your book, because um, the title might be, you know, the title was really, really took my took my eye, but it's, but hearing your story, it's good that we can get more in depth, um, and hopefully, lifetime will will definitely put something together for you guys and stuff. But you know, I believe thank you for being 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 such a sport, but also being a supporter, because as I said, I've I've seen you seeing you mm -hmm. looking at a few of the shows and, and stuff so i appreciate <laughs> <laughs> i do i do because you know i'm fans of a lot of people that you interview so i'd be wanting to know about them too <laughs> you know, i'd be wanting to know but um yeah but keep keep doing what you're doing and we watching you we see what you're doing oh, <laughs> i appreciate it doing, you know keeping this timeless music alive and I love it. I really like it. And that's why I, I gave you the interview. You were very patient. <laughs> and I reached out to you about something and you didn't even question it. You took care of it immediately. That so <laughs> I, I gave you everything that you wanted and more. Thanks for watching. Please remember to subscribe to the channel, but most importantly to press the notification bell so that you can be notified when we do have a new interview, loads to come. But thanks a lot for watching.